Welcome to a quick mini-sode. Mini-sode. River Heights Radio mini-sode. River Heights Radio mini-sode. Mary Mason, they did you wrong. Actress, impressionist, raconteur. Mary Mason, the woman whose family once owned the Lilac Inn, was made out to be little more than a crook when her past was more complicated than that. So I told you that there was only Mary Mason. Right. So we, She didn't have her whole team. But it is mentioned that she is related to the original owner of the inn, who is a Spaniard. Well, in the original, <laughs> she did not look like Nancy Drew. She would not look like an attractive model with golden hair who could play nancy easily she was instead referred to as an impudent dark complexioned woman so yes so another thing about mary mason we first meet mary mason in the original novel when she applies for the the maid position now you were telling me about this this is this maid interview portion is a full third Isn't that true of like the first of the original 1930s? It's the first three chapters. And we have another mini-sode about the book before the book if you want to hear more about the blatant racism that was present in those first three chapters. Right. So she's one of these maids who is not being written in the best light. Yes. She's also made out to be impudent and greedy and horrible things. I mean, that's my kind of woman right off the bat. (laughs) But Nancy almost hires her. Offers her $15 an hour. I love this. This is the 1930s. Yeah. And this woman's being offered $15 an hour. Something that right-wing nutjobs are saying people shouldn't get now. For a dinner party. For a dinner party. What is Mary's response to the offer of $15 an hour for her services? No, thank you. No, that's not enough. I can't live on that. Yeah. And it is partially because she figures out that Carson Drew is Nancy Drew's father, and she does have this beef with Carson Drew for putting her away, which, fair, you it's, know. You know, it's not a system that's properly set up for reform. You send one Mary Mason to prison, all you teach them to do is impersonate Nancy Drew. And Nancy Drew really only starts suspecting her later in the novel when she's out shopping with Helen. Oh, I love this. At a ritzy shopping mall. Right. And happens to see Mary Mason go into a shop with expensive clothing. Yeah. Nancy sees this woman who wanted to work for her with things that are too expensive for her to have. She shouldn't even be in that shop. I mean, like profiling 101. Mm. She's like, oh, there's a mystery here because a poor person whose skin is dark has nice things. Yeah. It's, if you listen to our mini-sode on Yvonne, it's the same type of ordeal. Nancy sees a woman who should be happy in her place applying for another job, and that's a mystery? Yeah. It's so strange, but it speaks such volumes. It's very similar because she kind of stalks Mary Mason. She shows up in the end in Dockville, and it's her brother instead of her sister that she's spying on in Dockville when she gets caught. Mm-hmm. But she asks like a postal service guy a bunch of questions to find out about mary mason and he's just like you look wealthy i'll tell you about the packages i've taken her i have really no idea what happened i know that conversation happened i don't know what happened in it Mm -hmm. but i i like to imagine it more like the old janitor who's like gives her a little bit of information and then is like you're really snoopy get out of here (laughs) 
Gamero, who were you? We know at least three aliases for Gamero. We know mm. Mary Mason, yeah. Gamero, and Jean the Waitress. I don't know her last name. I think it was the Waitress. <laughs> These three personalities are kind of her criminal side, her actress side, and her working girl side. In every case, she's certainly not on the tier or class that Nancy is at in society. Sure. She's having to get her money for herself, which just right away is most people, even back then, (laughs) especially back then. In a way, I see her as more akin to the reader than Nancy herself. Which makes you wonder, as she plays these people, like Jean the Waitress or Mary Mason, (laughs) specifically to fool those people who are of a higher class than her, does she play them as she believes them to be? Or does she play a caricature that she thinks that they expect from her? Whatever she does, she's nailing the makeup. Well, yeah, naturally. (laughs) On fleek. She's nailing the acting to the degree that nobody can tell the difference or ever suspects that it's a cover. Right. She's the world-class spy. Gay, as Mary, was never actually afraid of any ghosts. <laughs> and yet, at some point, maybe she thought her cover was close to being blown. Maybe she thought she had to give up the ghost. Uh, she used that as a believable reason to leave this position. Not because it's what she thinks that person would actually do. She, it, it, she doesn't believe in ghosts. But because that's what the caricature they would expect from this Irish working girl. She's good at being unnoticed. In this novel, you see at least three people trying to go undercover. Gamero. Right. Successful. John McBride. Unsuccessful. Clearly suspicious. And he has the cover of just being like, I'm military. And he's still bad at Undercover it. is a guy who loves Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> and then Nancy goes undercover and can't even keep her cool. She She's Nancy <laughs> everywhere she goes. Yeah. As we know in River Heights, acting is frowned upon, but also... We enjoy it, (laughs) much like prostitution. Huh. Those who are in a position to do the work are expected to do that work for our benefit, and yet we resent them for doing it. Almost as if their exploitation makes the goods we reap taste like ash on our tongues. Nancy goes undercover again to meet Gamero's actress friend. Frenemy. The actress friend seems to really like Gay, so much so that she doesn't turn her in for, like, stealing from her. But is aware that Gay was always jealous of her roles. You do wonder, was she actually jealous of her roles? Was it just, like, annoying because then she couldn't make ends meet? Was there an actual rivalry that this actress downplays and she egged it on? We don't really know. But at any rate, we know she loved her father. And this is where you see a little bit of the weirdness of Gamero's character because there is absolutely no reason to steal this pipe and send it to him. It doesn't even fit in the book except as something quirky about her character. Robin Hoodin it. Yeah, she stole it from a seemingly nice man who spent countless hours carving it. Don't apologize for him. Eat the rich. (laughs) Still, there's a softness in her heart for this guy. And so we see some sincere humanness, I think, to this character. There was no reason for her to take that risk in the middle of everything. And in a way, it revealed her. In terms of her ethics, I I think that this is actually a character, especially for a side character, but for a character in general in a Nancy Drew novel, I think we get to see more ethics and values than with most of the characters. And they are more, I think lower class values 
And I mean that in the best of ways. I mean that as a compliment, though I don't think Nancy would. Sure. (laughs) Right? So we see her do the interview with Nancy and find out that Carson Drew is the owner of the house who Mm. she hates. Yet she isn't especially mean to Nancy. She doesn't do anything to the house at that time. She doesn't attack Nancy in any way. This reveals not her values, but like more her willingness to be careful and take a long time, which Mm -hmm. it certainly seems like some of her plots take a lot of planning and take a long time. And some of them are very quick. But nevertheless, not only does she have a chance to attack Nancy in her own home, and nobody would really ever know who had attacked her, but she also tries to trick Nancy in a smarter way than we've seen any other villains do. Instead of sending her a letter or a threatening phone call, she takes her aside a few times and goes, hmm, that girl you don't like, maybe she's who you should be looking into. Very wise. Very coy. (laughs) Nancy doesn't fall for, but only because Nancy is superhuman. I think most people would have looked at Maude and said, you were very suspicious Mm. and I don't like you. So it's definitely smarter, but it also points to like how many opportunities she had alone with Nancy to harm Nancy and get away with it. And she chose instead to try to use cunning tricks to get Nancy out of the way. Kay's got a a streak of drama. Well, yeah, she definitely has a flair for the theatrical, right? One wonders if she gets these ideas for moving trees and shaking houses from off of the set. I could use that somewhere. So I I just think that there's definitely a cleverness and yeah, a flair to this character that I appreciate. She tries to harm somebody who may have unjustly gotten this in away from her ancestors. Right. And all she does from him is just steal a pipe and kind of sabotage his place a little bit. She tries to harm Maud, but like not really just to like distract Nancy. Plus Maud's such a jerk. She steals from the government electronics. I'm not mad at her for that. No. She tries to harm Nancy, but only after like it becomes clear that Nancy is being very annoying. Nancy is snooping where she doesn't belong. And she takes the diamonds, which harms Jane Willoughby and And Emily, who we are meant to feel very sorry for, who do have more money problems than Nancy does, except that they own an inn and a bunch of diamonds. And the only reason the diamonds are a problem is they didn't get them insured. There would be no way for Mary Mason, Gabe Moreau, etc. to have had any idea that they weren't insured. True. To her, she's just taking an opportunity. And that's what I see with this character is just somebody who's very opportunist. Mm. And that's why you end up with this messy palette of so many crimes. And this is why you end up with somebody who steals somebody's charge plates to use them at a store and then also steals more stuff from the store. I'm not even going to say that she harmed the store. I mean, it was like a Macy's or something. Yeah, and they had insurance. Game of Rose living off the land, basically. Yeah, I mean, she's clearly somebody who has not had an easy life like Nancy has, who hasn't had things handed to her. What I see in her as well is this person who has chose criminality Almost in this way, I respect, oh, why shouldn't I be rich too? Sure. Like the power. (laughs) Whether you look at that in the first version where she's not white 
mm-hmm. and therefore she's underprivileged compared to Nancy and society was not giving her any wiggle room. Or you look at her looking exactly like Nancy and having all the privileges and yet somehow getting none of the same benefits despite working harder. Just like when she wouldn't take $15 per hour, uh, Gamero knows her worth. She's out to get what she can from a capitalist society that is not set up to take care of her but will reward people taking opportunities, but only if those opportunities are within the lines. Lastly, I would say you see a really good leader. Doesn't really leave anybody behind. Doesn't screw anyone over from what I can tell. I don't think she throws anyone under the bus when she gets caught. No, she don't snatch. <laughs> yeah, and she ha- she's leading quite a few people, which is annoying when you're reading and there's so many characters going every which way. But to think of a single woman leading all these guys. To get the skin diving man and Gardner Jim in the same room with the beef they have. It's impressive. <laughs> but yeah, like she's taking way more leadership than we see Nancy take of many situations. Mm. Part of why she's probably villainized. I mean, while Nancy, as we said, is adjacent to many things that are occurring, Gay Moreau's making them occur. Yeah. I hate to say it, but hashtag girl boss. None of the other women really are portrayed well. Nancy sort of is bumbling. Helen is Helen, as per usual. Yikes. Emily is barely hanging on to this inn she's inherited. Or her sanity. (laughs) Jane is forgetting to insure diamonds and getting them stolen. Being so tired that she'll give in to any excuse for blackmail. Getting blackmailed, or in the original novel, she's even a big suspect for this crime Mm. and says some really nasty things to people, apparently. is not a nice character, which perhaps is where Maud came in, because I don't think Maud was in the first one. And Maud is somebody who is the closest, maybe, to Mary, because she's also a criminal, of course. A widow sort of in a charity way taking pity on her and Mm. giving her this position she's not qualified for so in a way she's undercover like she's the one who like lied on her resume and is like oh yeah i totally have public directing experience please put me in charge of your inn gay moreau is just kicking in that glass ceiling in stiletto heels the message of the book seems very clear about what lines women should stay in especially what lines lower class people should stay in though good for emily for like yelling at maud for a while or whatever (laughs) i'm on anyone's side when they yell at maud mary mason you deserved better wages forced out of your ancestral home no longer welcome in what was once your family's home you can't make a living wage off of acting and waiting tables profiled wherever you go maybe being a maid simply sending friends nice pieces of pipe that uh that yeah you stole but you stole from someone rich so whatever yeah someone rich off of your ancestors land bread and roses for mary mason they did you wrong the working class thanks for tuning in to another river heights radio minisode i'm carl and i'm hope until next time go Go wildcats. wildcats